This week we talk about the horrifying case of the Gainesville Ripper and the 90s teen cult classic it inspired. So crack open that white claw and join us in the pod shed. It's going to be a real scream. Hello, is anybody out there? Welcome to True Hollywood Crime, a.k.a. THC. I'm your host, Mariah. This is your other host, Bailey. Say hi, Bailey. You're going to hear me call her B a lot. So uh, we are 35-year-old moms and best friends. We've been best friends since we were 11. And now we're neighbors in a small northern California town, home to most serial killers. (laughs) (laughs) Northern California (laughs) and uh, something that's been a cornerstone of our friendship has been our love for horror movies and I also love true crime I listen to all the true crime podcasts Uh, my number one favorite is my favorite murder so I've been heavily influenced by the Queens Georgia Hardstark and Karen Kilgariff Um, and they really inspired this our little do-it-yourself podcast fun fact I listen to no podcasts, so. B listens to no true crime podcasts, which is fun because all of these cases will be a surprise for Bailey. Yeah. Because as you guys know, if you found this podcast, you probably listen to a lot of true crime. And I'm new to the game. I have no idea what to expect, and I'm excited. Yeah. And, you know, they all tell the same story over and over again. So... We'll also be telling those stories, but what I'm going to do is I will tell you the true crime case the best that I can via Wikipedia and other sources. Very reliable. It's very much going to be the cliff notes of true crime <laughs> cases. Okay, this Which is, is not... all anyone ever needed. And then what B's homework is, because she is has a real career and a life and is busy, eh. she <laughs> has to watch a movie that's based off of the true crime cases and then give us her review thoughts and feelings about that movie so what has been there for our whole friendship one of our all-time favorite movies on the count of three we'll say it at the same time one two three scream Scream. all-time favorite movie at least in my top five favorite movies i mean it's got it all it's got it all it hits all my factors the aesthetic is so chef's kiss perfect from the actors to the clothing to the music to the horror scenes it's fantastic and what i recently learned was that it is actually based on the real life case of the gainesville ripper loosely based it inspired the ga- uh the movie scream the gainesville ripper what can i say i like things loose yeah for sure i mean i like things tight but you know we've th- had babies <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I didn't have my babies that way, so my shit is still tight. I do not know what you are talking about. Oh, Jesus. I'll drink to that. This might be a great time to mention that this is a 18 and older podcast. Right. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we get a little dirty. We're going to get real. We're going to drink a lot of wine. A lot. We might spark up a J, which is legal in our state of California. I'm almost regretting that I already did, but well, we'll get to that later. Hey, listen. I'm going to take a drink of my wine, and then are you ready to hear about the Gainesville Ripper? Cheers, bitch. Ooh, cheers. 
All right. Okay, side note. This is like being in high school all over again because we were drunk when we would learn things. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I'm really excited. I mean, the difference is we have microphones. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're listening to this... And better taste in alcohol. <laughs> if you're listening to this, bless your heart. And uh, I mean, I apologize for if it's... Uh, and sorry to your children. <laughs> but we turned out okay. <laughs> well, hopefully your children are not listening to this. Send them to bed. Our kids are in bed. This is at night. Dads hopefully. are on duty. Okay. So the Gainesville Ripper Bailey. Ready. He was born Danny Harold Rowling. Adorable. In well, listen. <laughs> Adorable. Come on, Danny. He's, Danny boy. Oh, I love a, him. He's a big piece of <laughs> shit. <laughs> in May 1954 in Shreveport, Louisiana. And his dad was a cop and abusive as fuck. He yeah. used to beat the shit out of and vocally verbally mentally emotionally just terrorize uh danny and his mom and his little brother and in fact he failed the third grade for so many absences and his school counselor said that he had an inferiority in how do you say that inferiority complex yep with aggressive tendencies and poor impulse control and at 11 his mom is committed to a hospital due to a suicide attempt, which she survived, but Danny began heavily using drugs and alcohol to deal with that. At 14, he's caught by his neighbor peeping through their daughter's bedroom window. Um, eventually, he enlists in the Air Force, and he gets kicked out for heavy drug use. He does get married, but by 23, he's divorced for abusing his wife and threatening to kill her. 23 he accomplished <laughs> Listen, so much <laughs> he went through a lot of shit by 23 Damn. when i was 23 i i mean i was almost hospitalized for alcoholism is that's not true but right. it's what it felt like probably should have happened when i was 23 right um Damn. so from the late 70s to early 90s he had a crime spree that went through louisiana mississippi georgia and alabama it involved robbery, assault, sexual assault, and his first rape in 1977. Um, and that was a rape on a woman who looked just like his ex-wife. Yep. So, you know, uh-huh. he was harboring pent-up aggression there. Uh, he broke out of jail multiple times and, surprise, surprise, could never hold down a job. But see, he's smart enough to break out of jail. <laughs> For real. How right? shitty are those jails? Yeah. But he can't hold down a job. I feel like... I want to say I could never break out of jail, but I also feel like I would never try. I would be too fucking lazy. I'd be so apathetic. I'd be like, this is my life now. I'm just in jail. I would be so excited to find (laughs) my table and just go with the crowd. (laughs) Well, he had higher aspirations in life. Uh, (laughs) um, So after losing his last job, he returns to Shreveport, Louisiana, pissed as fuck. And he decides to take that out on poor Julie Grissom. Um, Ju- oh, Julie. November 1989, he breaks into Julie Grissom's house through the sliding glass door. Um, he rapes and tortures and kills her. He also stabs and kills her father, Tom Grissom, and her eight-year-old nephew, Sean. Uh. Um, and he left Julie's body in a sexually suggestive pose. And in May 1990, he, I guess, has some sort of fight or altercation with his piece of shit dad and he shoots him twice but that piece of shit survives of course like all these poor innocent victims have to die but the fucking abusive dad who fucked him up gets to live no it's like drunk drivers for sure drunk drivers always survive it's the passenger that dies yeah 
It's bullshit. Yep. Love it. Okay. So that's a little background on our Ripper. Good times. Mm. So it's about to get so much worse. Uh, August 24th, 1990. Danny breaks into a house again through the sliding glass door. Uh Now, let's take a break. (laughs) And talk about sliding glass doors. I, too, have a sliding glass door. And because I've listened to so much true crime, um, which some husbands would judge me for, (laughs) okay, guess what it taught me? Sliding glass doors can easily be broken into. So I went and got a huge, big, thick, just like we like them, wooden dowel and put it behind my sliding glass door. So now even if you can pop the lock, you cannot slide that bitch open. I also have wooden dowels in all my windows. Come at me, bro. Good luck. You're not getting in. Yeah. And what happens when you leave town and forget to leave a key for the person (laughs) watching your goddamn dog? And I literally had no way of breaking into the house. Well, first of all, it goes to show it works. And second of all, you do not have to bring a personal shit. Okay. Don't don't invite me. (laughs) So um, back then they didn't know to do that. That is a privilege that I have now due to all the true crime podcasts I listen Mm -hmm. to. And you can't break into my house. You know what's stupid is I didn't even learn that until I had to live on my own in college. It wasn't even something that crossed my mind. And then my first apartment, even though it was upstairs, it had a sliding glass door. And luckily my neighbor showed me just how easy it was to break into (laughs) such sliding glass door. (laughs) So... Well, Danny keeps doing it over and over again, and something to note is he keeps using the same type of tools to do it. Mm. So, August 24th, 1990, Danny breaks into the house of, I'm so sorry if I get the pronunciation wrong, I'm not Butcher smart, it. Sonja Larson and Christina Powell, um, they're roommates, and they're both incoming freshmen at the University of Florida, which is located in... Gainesville, Florida. Mm. He follows them home. He breaks into their sliding glass door. He's six feet, two inches tall, so he easily overpowers both women. He duct tapes their hands and mouth. He kills Christina Powell right away by stabbing her. And then he forces Sonja Larson to give him oral sex before raping oh. and stabbing her. Damn. And uh, after, after he kills Sonja, he continues to rape her body. And uh, eventually he mutilates their bodies, cutting off their nipples and keeping them as trophies. Yeah, shit escalated. Quickly. Mm -hmm. So the next day, it escalates further. Okay. The next day. The next day, he's on a rampage. Okay. He breaks into Krista Hoyt's home and does the same thing. Rapes, tortures, stabs her. Um, I'm not clear if he also broke into the sign glass door, but I want to say he did. Um this time he cuts off her nipples and places them beside her body and then he cuts off her head and places it on the bookshelf um and so by now authorities are freaking out obviously obviously they are releasing as much information as possible to try and catch the gainesville ripper and students are going everywhere in groups um they're even sleeping in groups so august 27th he breaks into the home again of Tracy Paules and Manuel Tabawada. I'm so sorry, Manuel. Uh, God rest your soul. I, I can't pronounce that last name. They're both 23. Um, he kills Manuel in his sleep and then he rapes and kills Tracy. But this time, no mutilation. So they're wondering if he got interrupted or, or ran out of time or For something. For sure. 
Yeah, lots of questions. So all the killings occur within two miles of each other near the University of Florida campus. Now, B and I live in a campus town. We live in a college town here in Northern California. Could you imagine if this shit was popping off two miles around the campus? Hell no. There's so much student housing around the campus. There's Mm -hmm. so many apartments. Two miles is a big radius. It is. But... For all to happen and and the campus to be there, kind of located in the center, would be scary as fuck. Yeah, in the span of a couple days. Uh, absolutely. Terrifying. Just panic. So, um, the University of Florida cancels all classes, and students are now walking everywhere with baseball bats and other melee weapons. Okay, I love that. And they're sleeping in shifts. Fucking love that. There is yeah. no way that I would not be encouraging my child. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Arm yourself. Well, in all fairness, if it was my child, they'd already be back home. Uh, oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> There's we'll. no way. I mean, I guess it was the 80s. It was a different time. Mm-mm. But my Mm-mm. child would not be hanging around when the Gainesville Ripper is no, ma'am. killing and torturing people. Mm-mm. But again, it's the 80s. It's a different time. Right. Well, Everyone's high. It's the best. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, for sure. The best. Um, you know, everyone's high on cocaine, so they're right. much more vigilant. Right. Today's kids are all high on fucking Xanax right. and Oxycontin. Get some real drugs. Yeah. Cocaine, they were ready to fucking rock. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so he keeps using the same tools to break into all of these sliding glass doors. And he keeps leaving all the bodies in sexually suggestive So after the killing of Manuel and Tracy, uh, he has a couple weeks where he keeps committing crimes, um, mainly uh, robberies of homes and of gas stations. And finally, in Ocala, Ocala, Florida, uh, he is arrested after a high speed chase. And when he's arrested, he's in possession of the same type of tools that the Gainesville Ripper was using to break into these into these homes. Yeah. And then they find his little campsite that he had that was near all this uh, apartments that the students lived in. And they found a diary, um, like an audio diary of things that allude to the fact that he was committing these crimes. Um, And due to how similar it was to the killing of the family in Shreveport with the breaking in with uh, the certain types of tools and the sexually suggestive poses, Mm -hmm. they take his DNA and they... Uh, cross-reference it with DNA from Shreveport, Louisiana, and find him guilty of those murders as well. So, uh, November 1991, he's charged with several counts of murder. He pleads guilty. And on the holiest of days, April 20th, 420, 1994, Danny Rowling is sentenced to death. He's also diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and paraphilia. Do you know what paraphilia is? No. Uh, uh, Do you know? (laughs) Do I know? Um, Paraphilia is basically when you have like a really out there fetish, like having sex with dead bodies, mutilation, torture, like not your run of the mill BDSM. Right. And if that's incorrect, there's probably only two people listening to this. We're not doctors. (laughs) No, we are not doctors. We would not be doing this if we were doctors. So... Uh, he is finally executed by lethal injection at Florida State Prison on October 25th, 2006. Damn. I know. I thought Florida would move a little faster than that. Wait, but what's the point? Like, if you're going to kill someone, 
and you know he did it. <laughs> yeah, just like let's get the ball rolling. Yeah, maybe yeah. they. Tr- I didn't read too much about it. Maybe they tried to plead insanity. Yeah, who knows? So, that's the case of the Gainesville Ripper. Now, this case inspired a man named Kevin Williamson. Ooh, Williamson was not expecting that twist. to write the screenplay for a movie called Scary Movie, mm. which eventually got changed to Scream. Mm. And Scream was directed by horror god Wes Craven and was released December of 1996. When we were... Now, fun fact, me and B became friends in 1996. So when I say Scream has been a part of our friendship, it's really been here for our whole friendship. Literally. And now it's all circling back around. Um, Yeah. I mean, we were a little too young to see it in the theater. So I had just turned 12 years old. Yeah, and I was right behind you. I was mm-hmm. still 11. Yeah. So we didn't see it in theaters. Don't worry. Our parents weren't the best, but they weren't that right, yeah. bad. <laughs> but we still we had to wait till it came out. But we release. still watched it on VHS, <laughs> children. That was something that happened before <sighs> streaming and even before DVDs, if you can believe it. Um, I meant to say this real quick before you get into your part. Mm-hmm. I got almost all of this information from allthingsinteresting.com. Um, it was a great article written by William DeLong and, of course, our best friend's Wikipedia. So that is the Gainesville Ripper. How do you feel about that asshole? Right. I mean, obviously, to have such a traumatic upbringing, it's going to cause some shit. But still. like I agree, but also. We all uh, have our issues. Like, well, there's a lot of people with traumatic no, upbringings. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, we all have our issues. Get it together, dude. <laughs> Um, I'm going to pour B and myself some more wine, and then Bailey is going to tell me about re-watching our favorite movie, Scream, which I haven't watched in... I mean, listen, I've been raising kids for the past 10 years, it's so I haven't so watched different. it in I probably... Cannot, it's a new movie. Probably like eight years, it's I would say. I know I've watched it since movie. Lila, my oldest, was born, but it, I mean, I, I'm sure she was probably a baby, and I was hanging out. It was on at night or something, and I watched it, so it's been a while. And why does being a mom change your like your whole perspective on a horror movie i know he's t- yeah it really it does fucking ruins, it ruins everything. everything it, ruins everything. it <laughs> changes everything <laughs> but at the same time as a mom so excited to be able to share scream with your children yes All oh right. my god i cannot wait until she's old enough and to have that first slumber party and to be that mom that makes other babies cry so how old enough is that being to me yeah 13 yeah i think 13 is a good age yeah right you're a teenager for sure mm-hmm. so 13 i feel like old school r's are appropriate right 80s mm-hmm. r's are not today's rated r's it's true so 80s r's were basically softcore porn with right. a lot of stabbing and bloody guts and take that as a great learning opportunity kids <laughs> right this is what bad sex looks like <laughs> do better. oh you mean the kind where the, he stabs right, you right. in the end yeah <laughs> that's terrible all okay. right tell me about scream tell me how you felt about it okay so we were talking earlier about why it's such a good horror movie and one of the yeah. things that struck me immediately the movie opens with the phone ringing mm-hmm. right just that sound so you get it and it gives you that automatic like excitement those chills like you you know what's coming yeah so we got drew barrymore she's looking hot drew barrymore right i mean come on that bob cut the whole thing she's in the house 
alone, making herself her popcorn. Phone rings. Cord landline phone, by the way. Cracked me up, right? She had a cordless, though, too, didn't she? There was a cordless, yes. But the first phone she answers. Make sure I wasn't hallucinating. Yeah, no, no, no. So funny. And so, of course, the guy on the phone, let's be real, he sounds sexy. Well, wait until you see what he looks like. No, come on. I <laughs> I would talk to him. <laughs> yeah, but this bitch will talk to anybody. I always got to stop her from talking to, like, crackheads on the street. Even to this day. I know. So, right. <laughs> Don't not talk to him, B. Yeah. And so it's all fun and flirty. We're talking about 900 numbers. Again, made me think, do those even 900 exist? 900 numbers. Do those even exist Remember, anymore? it was just 900, and then you just try to spell out whatever dirty thing you could with seven things. So it was like, one 900 big cock. Yes. You like, know? could you, and then you would do, find yeah. somebody would be talking sexy on the mm-hmm, other end. Mm-hmm. So talking about 900 numbers, whatever. And it gets to this. And he's like, I want to see who I'm looking at. And <laughs> fucking boom. You know it's on. You see it in her face. All of a sudden it's not sexy anymore. Right. And what's the bitch do? Locks the glass door. Her whole back patio door is glass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, let's make sure to lock that door. <laughs> And then we're going through the house, turning off the lights, locking the front door, whatever. Things escalate, obviously. And we have our first murder going on. And it's down to the game. What's she going to do to keep boyfriend Steve alive? Now, let me interject right now. I've been with my husband for 15 years. Um, Again, maybe this changes the way you see horror movies. I have kids, so my first thing is I'm doing nothing to keep him alive. No, he we're doesn't matter. We're locking shit down. Yeah. We're grabbing a weapon or a gun or whatever. And but that's I know that's no. what my husband would want. She opens the door nope. as if she's Never. gonna like go outside and try to cut the duct tape. Like, bitch, please. By the way, that's how callous I am at my own husband. Could you imagine my high school boyfriend? Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fucking fish food, dude. I don't know right. what to tell you. No. And she doesn't even have, like, scissors or a letter opener. No. no, completely unprepared. But she does have the cordless phone. She does. <laughs> and she does grab a butcher knife eventually. Eventually. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyways, I'm sorry to interrupt. Keep yeah, going. No, but that's a great point. Yeah, let's try to save boyfriend Steve. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Fuck you, Steve. <laughs> sorry, high school boyfriends, but listen. And he's like, so we're going to make it easy on you. And... The first question she obviously gets right. Who's the killer in Halloween? Michael Myers. Super easy. And to be fair, I feel like when I watched this movie for the first time and they ask, who's the killer in Friday the 13th? I immediately answered what? Jason. Jason. You piece of shit. How dare you? I know. And my heart (laughs) sank. Like I felt gutted. Yeah. No foreshadowing here because, you know, it's the. (laughs) But yeah, I just felt so ashamed of myself because clearly it's not. It's his mom, which we should know. And that's it. She, you could see it on her face and it's game on. And she eventually ends up outside, stabbed. He cuts her throat. She can't talk. And that's when her parents come home. So now. Me, years later, watching mm-hmm. this as a mom. Did I ever give a fuck about how mom and dad felt when I watched it as a teenager? No, I did, but I've always been more sensitive. No, no, than no, you. no. So now watching it as a mom, to pick up the phone. No, you walk into your house. 
the fucking popcorn's on fire. Your kid's gone. You already You're, know yeah. something's you happening. You pick up the phone. And you hear her gurgling. You hear your daughter being stabbed. It's the worst. And then the dad's all, honey, get in the car. Drive to the neighbor's <laughs> house. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Drive to yeah. the neighbor's house? And that's when they find her just hanging from the tree. Jesus so, Christ. As a kid... I used to think the idea of like living in like a rural area, it just seemed so cool to me. Mm-hmm. Right? It just had that appeal, that small town vibe, whatever. Again, as an adult, what the fuck? Like, well, also, the, I guess in 96, I guess they didn't have cell phones, right? Or not very many people did. I I'm, I'm going to get to that. I remember my grandpa had a cell phone in the mid 90s, but it was like a brick with a right, right, right. fucking antenna. So that's the other thing is is rural because we live in a rural town now, but but we have like you and no, I are neighbors the, and we have neighbors yeah. that we can just hop right over and right. see. We don't drive, have to drive to the neighbor's house. But we also have cell phones. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I do think about that because Lou and I will go to the even more rural towns and be like, this would be a great place, like a nice piece of property up here. It's away from everything. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, for the the two listeners who are listening, I am <laughs> type one diabetic. And I do think about that. Like, if I have a diabetic emergency, how mm-hmm. long is it going to take people to come get me? Right. I know. Yeah, that drive to the neighbors. Get the fuck out of my face. I know. And so then it's Sydney in her room, Nev Campbell, mm-hmm. in this granny ass makeup. <laughs> but, but was it sexy for the 90s? No. It's oh, not, it it's so not sexy for the Golden Girls. <laughs> like... <laughs> Blanche would not be no, having it. Like, ugh. And we've got Skeet Ulrich, Billy, who decides that he's going to, you know, pay a little visit. And what prompted the visit was he was watching The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the TV edited version. Oh. And so it reminded him of their relationship mm. and how since the murder the death of her mom you know their <laughs> relationships really become more of a pg-13 oh Listen, what was his name again billy 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 i almost said skeet yeah billy <laughs> what are we doing right you know it was the tv edited version it's because he's so fine he can get away with that also, us little impressionable 11, 12-year-olds setting us up for the idea that, like, boyfriends are supposed to manipulate us right. and gaslight us. No, so she's down for it. She's like, okay, like, let's do a little over the PJs kind of action. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't want my daddy to catch me, mm-hmm. but, you know, he will and I'll be hot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ski Ulrich, by the way, for if you guys have not it's seen still. First of all, he's still fire. He's still fire. Mm -hmm. He's still hot as fuck. But back then, ooh, he just hit different. Him and Matthew Lillard. A hundred percent. That's why they got away with all this bullshit. A hundred percent. Right. So I just love that. The whole mentioning of watching the horror movie and that's what turned him on. Like, that's Mm. the perfect opportunity to go and break into my girlfriend's bedroom (laughs) to peer pressure her. To shame her. Into (laughs) having sex with me. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, 12-year-old us. Like, that's so hot. (laughs) You just want to ski orange to break into my bedroom. (laughs) Oh, right. So then we go to school. Next day is fucking mayhem. Right. Two bodies found. And gutted yeah 
no one has cell phones at this point, right? It's mm-hmm. rare to have a cell phone, so no one knows. You right. just have to show up to school and have news crews and be like, what's the true. Fuck? Right? How weird would that be? Mm-hmm. And this was also something that struck my attention. They held the interviews for the students at the high school with the police. No parents. Right. No parents there. No, like, no consent given. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just like, you sit in your classroom, you wait for your name to be called, and then they question you in the principal's office. I mean, was that even legal back that's then? That's what I'm or saying. Or did they just that, make that up for the movie? That had to have been totally movie, because that's some bullshit right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would be pissed. Yeah. I would turn into a Karen in a heartbeat. Right? Who, you would have me in that principal's office. Who questions my baby without talking to me? Right. Absolutely. Not to mention the fawns fucking caresses Nev Campbell's face. Ew! Like, Sydney, this will only take a minute. Bitch. Mm-hmm. You want my husband to fucking kill you? What and are the you cops are about? like, oh, is that the daughter of Maureen Prescott? Da 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 da. Right, the murder of last mm-hmm. year. And so after all this, she goes home. Dad's gone. Dad's out of fucking town. Right. Right? It's the anniversary of your mom's death. Dad pieces out for some business conference. And her mom was, like, raped and murdered, raped right? Raped and murdered. Left in the town square. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she tried to go home by herself. And she also lives in some in rural fucking house in the, the middle of nowhere. The bus drops her off in the middle of nowhere. And her best friend decides, I'm going to go to cheer practice. <laughs> Okay. I'll pick you up after. Well, her best friend is Rose McGowan, and she was a 90s queen. I know. I know. It doesn't get better. I know. But still, so she, yeah, she's home alone. The anniversary of her mom's death. Her, so crazy. Her dad's out of town. Mm. Students are being gutted in their homes. And her best friend's like, I'm going to cheer practice. I'll go get us a movie. We'll maybe see some dick from Tom Cruise, and that'll be our night. Probably a small dick. That's not her fucking night. Also... Uh, you know, not only are you not interviewing my children at school, um, my kids aren't going to school. Like, my kids are going to be under my 24-hour <laughs> surveillance <laughs> until the person gutting their classmates but that's the thing. is captured. No one knew. <sighs> that's the problem. Yeah, it's not like true. you wake up and you look at your phone and you see an alert that tells you. that I what, know. That's the thing. They got to school and they found out that was us with 9-11. I didn't know about 9-11 until I got to school that morning. I, my fucking parents don't watch the news. I knew about it, but the only reason I knew about it was because I was doing my hair and makeup, and I was listening to, uh, here's a Bay Area shout-out, 106 KMEL, and they interrupted the like morning okay. music to talk about it, and so then I went to the TV, because my parents, I don't think my parents were awake. Right. Um, and I turned on the TV, and I saw the footage for 9-11. Yeah. So I did know about it when I got to school, but... After getting to school, it became a much even bigger deal than right. when I saw it on the news. Like, I don't know if I was just too young to comprehend it. No. But going to school and, like, feeding off that energy, then you're like, oh, this is a really big deal. Yeah, so think about it. They're kind of in the same position. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Now, this is where things got tricky for me. Because if you think about the movie in a, as a whole, and if they talk about, you know, doing things according to these rules, right... Nev is still technically a virgin at this point, mm-hmm. but they already tried to kill her. So was this just to kind of like freak her out? Were they trying to set Billy up to make him look like the bad guy to kind of throw off the path? 
why did they try to kill her this early in the movie? They were unsuccessful, obviously. And this is where we... And what stopped them? So, this is where she jokes, obviously, about horror movies. Oh, the girls, they always run upstairs when they should be running out the front door. And that's exactly what happened. She locked the front door, couldn't unlock it in time, and had to run up the stairs. And then she used the closet trick that she used on her dad. Correct. She opened the closet door, and then you can't open her bedroom door because it blocks it. And then, boom pops up Billy through the fucking window just like he creeped through the other night yeah. and he drops his cell phone. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the cops immediately, son, why do you have a cellular phone? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need with a cellular device? Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. So that's immediately when she sees the cell phone drop, she's like, oh, fuck. It was you. And they put everything on Billy. So that's when I'm starting to think now, obviously watching the movie, I'm like, was that on purpose? Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, she goes to the police station. Again, no one can find her dad. Her mom's dead. She's being questioned by the police. And they release her to Deputy Dewey. Yeah. Deputy dipshit. <laughs> And BFF Tatum, Rose McGowan. Yeah. Who would do that? I mean. Where's Pops? Where's her fucking dad? Yeah. That's crazy to me. There's no way. They would would have to hold her or something. And they're holding Billy, right? Yes. They don't release Billy yet. No. Mm -mm. He gets released the next day when she goes back to To school. school. To school. After getting another call from the killer informing her that once again she framed the wrong guy because she had framed Cotton Weary Mm -hmm. for her mom's death. Mm -hmm. Enter Courtney Cox, who was a... Gail Weathers. Gail Weathers, an investigative journalist, right? Mm -hmm. Who believed Cotton Weary was Was innocent. innocent. Mm -hmm. Which brings the best scene of cinematic history, which is what, B? What's the best scene? What's the most satisfying scene from that movie? When Sydney Dex fucking Courtney Cox. Does Sydney hit her? Bam! Or Super bitch. Yeah. It's the best. It's the best. Bam! Sydney. Super bitch. Yeah, it's the best. I know. All right. So now we're back at Besties Tatum's house. Just a typical night. No big deal. Nothing's happened. And mom comes in. There's a phone call. I'm sorry. If it's anyone other than her dad. Why are we even entertaining the idea of giving her a phone call? Yeah, because didn't her mom not even know who it was? She's like, I don't know who it is. It's for you, though. Yeah, take the call. Whatever. You've only been almost murdered (laughs) however many times now. (laughs) And so this is when Sydney realizes that she's probably got her boyfriend in jail for no reason. And the killer points out not only was she wrong about her boyfriend, Billy, she was also wrong about Cotton Weary. Right. Right. And she's finally realizing this, piecing it all together. And then we wake up and go back to school. Like nothing happened. Of course. (laughs) No big deal. Everyone's acting as if nothing's happened. All the kids are at school. Typical day. No big deal. Her dad's still missing. No one's talking about that. Yeah. Could you imagine? He has no idea any of this is going on. (laughs) Because he's locked up. God knows where at this point. And... We bump into boyfriend Billy in the hallway, fresh out of jail, totally dirty, unshaven, still has the ink on his fingers. Still looks hot, though. Right? Still sexy. Still looks hot, though. What's wrong with us? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it screams. Scream fucked us up from a young age. And again, he's trying to put the blame on her. Like, ever since the murder of your mom a year ago, <laughs> you just can't get it together. Like, be a better girlfriend. Can't let a minute go by without reminding right? her of her mother's rape and murder. I'm not getting any sex, and you're going to try to put me in jail? <laughs> like, thanks a lot, Sid. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so we go running to the bathroom. Here's some girls talking mad trash about her, her mom, everybody. And she almost dies again. (laughs) And this is when the town decides to get a clue and finally put the town under curfew. Okay. Right? This is when people are like, oh, maybe we should take this seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And how do we take it seriously? We have a kegger. Well, now they're (laughs) all together at the kegger, though, in theory. Yeah, but are they all together with baseball bats and arming themselves like the other people really did? (laughs) In Gainesville? That would be smarter. You'd think. But no, they had beer bottles, and that comes into play later. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that it's Deputy Dewey dropping his underage little sister (laughs) off. And Sydney, who's already almost died so many times now, and he's supposed to be watching her. But it's like, okay, have fun at the party, kids. No That's drinking. so funny. I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. You know they're going to drink. You know they're going to drink. <laughs> That's why he's deputy dipshit. But uh, to be fair, he is trying to get laid at this point because Gail's hanging around and he's trying to like show off and be cool. Yeah. You can't worry about kids and their underage drinking when you're trying to get laid. So <laughs> Tell my parents about it. I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> Oh, so I do love that at this party, very tastefully, they're watching horror movies Mm -hmm. because that's how you celebrate a serial killer in your hometown. (laughs) That's true. That's funny. (laughs) Let's drink and watch fucking horror movies. It's like watching an in-flight movie about a plane crash. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what a perfect opportunity to make up with your boyfriend Mm -hmm. who's already been on your ass about being a horrible girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And this is the time. To do it. To lose your virginity. Yeah. Why not tonight? Why not? (laughs) To be fair, Billy comes in with a sweet-ass line, talking about movies, of course, because that's his life, and he's like, life is just like a movie, only you don't get to pick your genre. Oh. Right? Super cool line. I'd drop my panties for that line. Okay. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Doesn't take much for you, but let's be fair. (laughs) So, yeah, what a beautiful romantic evening. This is when you lose your virginity. But wait, what does Sydney say in response to that line? She's like, well, I could be a Meg Ryan movie or a really good porno. Ooh. Because your first time's going to be really good. It's going to be a hot porn, (laughs) Porn which I'm sure Sydney's watched so much of. With that grainy ass outfit. And then downstairs, poor Tatum, being the good girlfriend, goes to get more beer. Mm-hmm. And while she's in the garage, of course, Mr. Ghostface. And she really, she puts up a fight. She throws those beer bottles. Yep. And she really, she put in her all. She's the scrappiest of all the characters, really. But then she went straight up dumb blonde and tried to crawl out a fucking cat door. <laughs> With them big old hips. <laughs> And we know for a fact there's no way anyone's going to die by a garage door. I'm yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, it's just, it wouldn't carry her weight. It would not crush her skull. It would automatically close. Did they have sensors? Even if they didn't, I swear, I don't think it would be able to do enough damage to actually crush her skull. But yeah. whatever. Bitch goes down. Poor yeah. thing. 
I mean, it, it was pretty. I know it's unrealistic. It was great, but to it's watch. a pretty epic murder. Oh, it was the best. Yeah. So rest in peace, Rose McGowan. Thanks for your contribution to the movie. I'll never forget that uh, string dental floss dress you wore to the 98 VMAs when you oh. were dating Marilyn Manson. Absolutely. Rock that shit. What a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> and then after killing poor Tatum, we're back upstairs. We've got fresh sex scene, right? Smells like sex in the room, getting dressed, and bye-bye, Billy. Which also means that they've broken... The, what are the rules? So the she rules. She broke the number one rule. Yep. So as they're upstairs doing it, Randy's downstairs informing everybody of said rules. In a horror movie, if you don't want to die, don't have sex. Mm-hmm. Keep it together. Keep the legs closed. Virgins never die. Right? Don't do drugs and don't drink. And then also, be careful what you say because it might come back to bite you in the end. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. So and these kids are breaking all these rules. All these rules. I mean, come on. At this point in real life, we would have been done a long time ago. For sure. <laughs> so poor Billy. Bye, Billy boy. And I love that Sydney really takes a moment to, like, really let it sink in as she watches her boyfriend get stabbed to death. Right. Like, bitch, run. Run. Panic. Move. Have something. a meltdown. Yeah. But no, she really just takes a beat mourns that death and then oh that's right i'm gonna die again (laughs) almost and so she takes off and in this house upstairs it's almost like a maze i feel like it's all connected by these crazy hallways and somehow the killer is able to anticipate her every move Mm. every time she opens a door he's right there so she's forced into the attic where she has to jump out of a window she ends up landing on deputy dewey's car and we think you know she's done for something awful's happened to her but nope she pops right up of course (laughs) and we see the killer in the window and as he's making his way back downstairs poor innocent randy just living his best life (laughs) hanging out on the couch watching his horror movies talking to himself the expert the supposed expert oblivious to the fact that people are running around upstairs screaming for their True. life because <laughs> they had surround sound back in the day but <laughs> now had everybody already left the party at this point poor principal Fonz has eaten it mm-hmm. and he is hanging from the goalpost on the field can you imagine yes i'd be there in a heartbeat i know <laughs> i mean i feel in two seconds uh and so randy gets it bye randy and we're back to... By the way, that would so be us. We're like, we're such experts in horror movies and true crime. And then we'd be the first dumb broads to... Obviously. <laughs> we're not even going to try. Like, seriously, <laughs> we're just going to be like, hey, can we just get this over with now so I don't have to put any effort I would literally be like looking at Skeet Ulrich stabbing me. Like, if this is who's going to stab me, then... And if this is the last thing I have to It's fine, I guess. Like, could you choke me to death right? instead? Maybe Come on. lick some of the blood. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, and so sydney decides it's her best move not to go and hide anywhere in this totally forested dark like bushy rural area where you could literally just find something to hide in Mm -hmm. no she's gonna stand in the middle of the road Mm -hmm. 
as Gail is speeding towards her in the news van because she's just discovered her poor cameraman is dead, which was also a great killing. That's a slicing of the throat. They Mm -hmm. really got in deep with that one. That was great. And so poor Gail flips the van. She's in a ditch. Do we check the van? No. I don't know. A phone. Oh, sorry. A cellular. A cellular device? Mm -hmm. Or a survivor? Yeah, a radio. (laughs) Well, fuck Gail. I I know, but still... (laughs) Or even just something to protect yourself? Yeah. No. What am I going to do? I'm going to walk back to the house. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's going to really throw off the killer. He's gonna, not going to have any idea what no, I'm doing. because no one would do that. And back at the house, we stumble across Randy, who is not yet dead. Shaken. Not yet dead. Stabbed. Not yet dead. And Stu, who's looking pretty fucking good, mm-hmm. right? He's looking clean. He's not sweaty or anything, but he's like, oh, there's a killer. Everyone be scared. But Sydney, she doesn't know who to trust. Mm. So fuck both of them. We're going to lock their asses outside and we're going to lock ourselves in the house. I mean, smart move, unless the killer's still in the house. <laughs> she always talks about not running up the stairs and getting yourself trapped in the house. Yeah, she keeps doing that. Mm-hmm. In the house, we find that Billy is also somehow alive. Yeah. Right? Covered in blood. It's a miracle. Yeah. Oh, my boyfriend's alive. He convinces her to open the door. We let the boys in. And this is where they reveal that it's Billy and Stu behind the killings. Bum, bum, bum. Right? Shocker. Try to kill Randy again. We think he's dead. And Nev is just reeling at this point. Right. Of course. What do you do? You just lost your virginity. <laughs> Which means now you can die. Right. It's the anniversary of your mom's death. And you were right about your boyfriend the whole time. <laughs> Which, by the way, the whole movie, I think we all kind of knew it was Skeet Ulrich. But Matthew Lillard. That was Stu a shocker. did. I remember the first time we watched it. And I was a little shocked mm-hmm. and a lot disappointed. Yeah, because he played that kind of like. my good... favorite character. Mm-hmm. And so, Gail... I mean, you got to give her credit. She does try to come to the rescue, but bitch, you always check the safety. You always oh, yeah, I forgot check about that. the safety, mm-hmm. right? And so Skeet's got to pull a quickie on her. We think she's dead. And out comes dad. Where did he come from? Right, the big unveiling of dad, who's just been duct taped. Just duct taped. He's not gagged? In a closet. He does have tape around his mouth, but okay. still, if I'm duct taped, I'm for sure throwing my body <laughs> yeah. against every wall of that closet. Especially if you hear that you're at a full house. It's not like they right. had him in some quiet house. He can hear people everywhere. Everywhere. It's yeah. a kager. Uh-huh. And this closet is, like, directly next to the kitchen where everyone's right. been. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, maybe that's why... Uh, Maybe that's why Sydney's mom had an affair because he was such a fucking moron. Right, and maybe that's why he was trying to get the hell out of town on the anniversary of <laughs> Like that hoe. Anyways, so Billy starts to really go into the motive, which was actually a surprise for Stu as well. Right, he almost thought like, hey. This is just a fun summer hobby. Why not just pick up a few murders here and there? I, I always wondered how he talked Stu into, into it. it. I know. He had his reasons. And then Stu, does, he says something about uh, watching horror movies or, or somebody says something about watching horror movies. And I'm like, it's really. Yeah. But we all watch horror movies. exactly, And we're not all crazy. But poor Billy. 
he actually had his reason be because it was Sydney's mom who had an affair with Billy's dad calling causing Billy's mom to abandon the family. And there's a lot of feels in this. Still because, not a good reason know, to murder everybody. One, absolutely. <laughs> and two, I mean, sorry, but you had to have been kind of a shitty kid to have your mom to stream. Oh, my God. You. I'm sorry. If my husband cheats on me, I'm not just like, all right, deuces, kid. Yeah, <laughs> something's got to be wrong with mom. <laughs> so, I mean, there's that. If you're listening and your mom abandoned you, no offense. We're not no. talking about you. And, you're lovely, I'm sure. And I'm sure you didn't come out a murderer in the end. <laughs> What if they did? What if the one person listening well, is the real life Billy? Maybe. Maybe. Do not come find us. All right. Okay. So at this point, they have to make things look like their plan, where they want to come off as the victims in the end. Always. Right? And that it was Sydney's dad who lost it. He's behind the murders. Oh, they're trying to frame him up. Mm-hmm. So... Billy and Stu decide that they need to stab each other Mm -hmm. and things get carried away. Stu might have gone a little deep and that causes Billy to lose his shit Mm -hmm. and then Stu gets it hard. I know, poor Stu. Poor Stu, even though he murdered his own girlfriend. I know, right? And so Stu's slowly kind of dying and realizing that things aren't working out so hot. (laughs) And during all of this chaos, Sydney finally gets the smarts and the opportunity to try to get the fuck out of here. And again, shit just isn't panning out. But... Sorry, totally lost my train of thought here. That's why you have notes, B. I know. Here, let me refresh my notes. Yeah, so read your notes. Man, Stu was even still a great character and still hilarious as he was dying, which, you know, didn't he, like, give a shout-out to his mom? Oh, he said, my mom and dad are going to be so pissed. Right. Oh, my God. Whose house were they in? It was Stu's house. Where are Stu's parents? Oh, well, that well, that's why you said when they were upstairs and it was like a maze or whatever. Right, you're like, somehow have... he really knew which way to go. Obviously. I didn't realize it was Stu's house. So yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. he knew every little nook, cranny, and left turn to take in his weird house. Right, 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 right. But still, again, where are all these parents? Like, it's <laughs> never brought up. Like, are they just out of town? Did they just decide it's a good idea to let the kids have the house for the night to work out some steam? Like... I mean, again, teenagers are being murdered. My children would be under constant supervision, but maybe I'm a helicopter parent. I'm not sure. Right, 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 right. Anyways, okay. So shit goes down. Eventually, Sydney is able to push the TV on top of Stu's head. And I love this because, of course, Wes Craven just has to tie all of his movies together. Mm-hmm. Little it, Easter eggs. Right. Immediately you think of Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, and that death scene. And not only that, he also played the janitor and dressed the janitor up as Freddy Krueger. Love it. Right? Just leaving all those trails all over the movie. And now we're getting to the end and... St- Um, Billy makes one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. He says, movies don't make the psychos. Movies make the psychos more creative. Oh. And this immediately made me think of Luca Magnata. Mm -hmm. And you were the one that got me to watch 
don't fuck with cats. Yep. And how he was so easily influenced by movies as a kid and how much that affected him and gave him the ideas for his murders. So I thought that that was really interesting. That was a great documentary. It was so good. <clears throat> yeah, Luca Magnano, that psychopath, he was like just straight up copying right. scene for scene movies. Absolutely. And then Sydney is smart enough to find an umbrella of all things. Oh, I forgot about the umbrella. An umbrella of all things. A big ass fucking umbrella, by the way. Like one of those old school umbrellas. A golf umbrella, if yeah. you will. And she hits Billy just right. Mm. Because I don't know how strong you'd have to be to get an umbrella to like pierce through all that muscle and like tissue. Because she got it deep enough that later on, when he comes back to life. Of course, because he always comes back. Mm-hmm, she's able to shove her finger through that <laughs> hole. And that gives Gail the opportunity for her comeback. She finally remembers the safety this time. And boom, through the skull. Bye, Billy. Finally. Right. How much damage does one person have to take before you can Apparently, finally murder him? At this point in our horror movie careers, we hadn't discovered the double tap yet. Yeah. The double tap. We all it's know. very important. We all know about the double tap now. All right. So Randy gets to live because he's a virgin. Oh. All right. He never dies. He's fucked, but he doesn't die. Sydney yeah. <laughs> gets reunited with her dad. They're clearly not traumatized for life. Yeah. Of and course. Gail gets the opportunity of a lifetime, right? What more could she ask for to be involved in this whole thing? Because it proves that Cotton's innocent. She ends up killing one of the killers. Mm -hmm. And she gets to end the movie with her line, it all began with a scream over 911. Mm. Right? What a cool ending. And she gets to be with uh, Deputy Dewey. Dipshit. Yeah, <laughs> Dipshit. And she gets to be back for all the sequels. For sure. I think if anyone's made out on those movies, it was Courtney Cox and David Arquette. For sure. Right? Because Nev wasn't even in as many as they were. No. And, and yeah. yeah. Nope. Mm -hmm. And, of course, some of the sequels are as good as the original. But the original is a masterpiece. Yeah. So I get how, like, obviously the whole school vibe kind of plays into the original murders mm -hmm. right the campus type of a theme yep but i mean the, the, it's pretty different the phone calls yeah. the costume it's pretty different <laughs> um the shitty backgrounds poor billy poor danny yeah i know but once again there's not lots of people young, with shitty backgrounds <laughs> that do not go on killing sprees uh the mm. other difference i know we keep harping on how good looking skeet ulrich and matthew lillard are but trust me you look at the gainesville ripper mm -hmm. and he looks like uh, every single average white person's dad yeah. in the 90s. He is nothing special. Okay. Nothing to to brag about. So um, we're actually going to, I'm going to put pictures. We have an IG, THC on Instagram. I'm going to load up pictures of the Gainesville Ripper, um, pictures of Scream, the cast, and um, maybe even some pictures of Healdsburg, which is where they filmed Scream. And one of us married a man from Healdsburg. And which one of us was that? I don't know. Wait, was that me? That was you. <laughs> that was you. <laughs> Bailey married a man from a very small town here in Northern California called Healdsburg, which is Woodsboro in the movie Scream. So here we are. It's just layers on layers. Mm -hmm. It came out in 96. We became friends in 96. Yep. Uh, 
you married this guy from Healdsburg, which I had never even fucking heard of. Right. Like, come on. What are the chances? And now our very first podcast is about Scream on my birthday weekend. I mean. It's meant to be. The fact that it took us this long. We should really email Wes Craven and thank him for our whole friendship. Thank you, Wes Craven. Right. He he made us who we are today. <laughs> I don't know if that's right. something to brag our, our, about. Our parents don't get the credit for letting us watch this shit at 11 years old, but we'll give the credit to Wes. Oh, my Lord. So, yes, we have an IG, THC. We have a Facebook page, which I don't know how to run. So We'll get there. We'll get there. Maybe we'll get a Twitter. I don't have a Twitter account, so I really do don't know how to do Do you guys want it. a Twitter? You know, all of you listening? All three of you. Let me know if you want to tweet. Um, and when we joke around, this is a do-it-yourself podcast, we don't know anybody who has a podcast. We have nobody to help us. Every uh, piece of software, every piece of equipment, I've had to Google. I've had to watch tutorials. I know the audio probably right now isn't the greatest. Our goal is for it to get better. Um, and you know what? Even if nobody ever listens to this, fuck it. We get to hang out once a week we get it gives us an excuse to drink and talk some shit and watch some people die have a good time <laughs> so um if you are listening to us thank you so much thank you tell a friend and we will see you next time <laughs>